0: in the motherfucker black boots. Yeah. Yeah. Goddamn,
1: another fucking payback with a twist. The motherfucker shot from the bucks missed. Ice Cube is outgunned. What is the outcome? Will they do me like now telling up about
0: new style? Hello, friendos. What's your premium episode for the week? Hope we're all doing well. I'm Will Meneker, joining me as always, Felix Biederman. Hello everyone. And Matt Chrisman. Sup? We've got a a great topic uh, for this week's show, and uh, a great guest, and by way of introducing him, I'd just like to uh, preemptively apologize to all of the uh, vulgar anti-imperialists who listen to our show, because uh, this is our second guest spot that's now filled by a veteran, by a troop. And Chapo has always been by the troops and for the troops. I'm talking about our friend Francis, aka Army Strang from Twitter. Francis, how's it going?
1: Hey, fellas. Uh, give me two seconds. Let me make sure that this line is secure. Break. Flap. Drop. Pin. 14427. Hey, who's on? Hey, Mark. Hey. No, no, I'm on. Now I'm on Chapo. I know fucking right. All right, look. I got it. You can go ahead and drop off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Give Mary my love. Okay. Okay, hey. Yeah, Chapo, yeah, hey guys. What's going on? Army <laughs> hey Francis. Here. Ready ready to do some uh, some talking about a movie. What's up? Uh we
2: are we are really lucky to have Francis today. He is uniquely qualified to talk about this horrible movie. And he is uniquely qualified not because he's a former troop, but because he has stolen valor as Chris Kyle. He has claimed to be an American sniper before and claimed to have all of Chris Kyle's accomplishments, but actually not that big of a deal because Chris Kyle was kind of a liar.
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go ahead. One, I'm going to correct you. First off, there's no former troop. I am a current troop. Uh, I have 16.3 uh, years so far in, and uh, I'm ready to continue to uh, rain down freedom and kick some ass all over the place. Uh, secondly, just to kind of give you guys a little background on me, um, I am a public affairs specialist for the military. And uh, what that means, and I'm going to put this out to whichever pens, you know spends the $5 to download the premium and then uploads it to Dropbox for everybody else to get angry about, um, as much as you guys talk about, oh, these guys are psyop, blah blah blah. Let me tell you something as a government employee and somebody who is literally a psyop. I am literally a psyop. I am telling you this right now. The government doesn't care about you. All right, they just don't. If you wanna, if you wanna yell at a psyop, here I am, Army strength, Jump into my menchie's, please. I'm just a yeah, classic <laughs> counterintelligence. I just want <laughs> so, I don't think so, look, friend. I am so tired of you guys getting all the people being angry at you. I want somebody yelling at me in my mentions. I want somebody accusing me of having a giant palatial home somewhere in the heart of rich, rich ass New York City. And I would absolutely love it if I could just start. You know, if I could set up a Patreon to get some troop money uh, that I could spend on me and uh, my my further psyop needs. So uh, that's I'm, that, that's my main goal here. I know we're going to talk about uh, American Sniper, but I just want to make sure that I get my beak wet a little bit, uh, and that uh, I get Francis, some angry people.
0: I'll, I'll have you know that um, at least half of our Patreon money does go to the troops. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, it doesn't, it doesn't go to us; it goes to the troops. Francis, well,
2: I every weekend I book a cross country flight with a first class ticket, and I give up my seat to the first troop I see.
3: I don't even have to go to LA. I spend half of my – half my Patreon money goes to Black Rifle Coffee Company products. So that's the way that I support veterans.
1: I appreciate it. And also the every, taxes that I'm siphoning out of each one of your pockets.
2: Uh, I don't pay taxes, actually. I'm a sovereign citizen. But uh, every cam girl that I give money to on Chatterbait is a former Army veteran. They're all in the military.
1: Uh, ironically, everything that I'm doing my recording on right now is government equipment. So that 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 should at least you know that that's part of our uh, uh, the the chapo necessity there. Uh, the <laughs> microphone and this is like seriously twenty five hundred dollars worth of equipment that I'm doing this recording on. So really putting your tax dollars to good use out there.
0: Fantastic. Now, uh, as you as we have alluded to, uh, the topic of this show is the man, the myth. The book, the motion picture, the legend, Chris Kyle, American Sniper. Um, and I think the the best way to jump into this is, uh, Francis, I just want to get uh, your reaction to uh, a bit of uh, current events, a uh, news story that uh, dropped this week. And I'm talking, of course, about uh, Donald Trump's comments about uh, veterans and PTSD. And I just want to read this quote here from the Donald daddy donald said when when you talk about mental health problems when people come back from war and combat they see things and maybe a lot of folks in this room have seen many times over and you're strong and can handle it but a lot of people can't handle it and they see horror stories they see events that you couldn't see in a movie nobody would believe it Uh, Uh,
1: Your your reaction
0: to Daddy Donald.
1: Look, Donald Donald is not wrong there. Um, As Donald himself had to, you know, he witnessed the horror of a bone spur on his foot, which uh, kept him from being able to go to Vietnam. You know, he just couldn't. And I understand that. Um, Sometimes... You know, I get really bad uh, blisters all over my feet when I was in Afghanistan doing 15-mile ruck marches through 130-degree heat. You know, I get it, man. Your feet start to get kind of fucked up, and uh, if you're just not strong, you're not strong. Uh, Donald didn't join the military because he understood that he can't be as strong as me or Chris Kyle. So that's kind of of understanding. Um, But seriously, I don't know why anybody gives a fuck about what Donald Trump has to say about troops. He's never been nice to any troop ever, unless, like, they're getting ready to suck his dick, so...
2: <laughs> Omarosa is a troop. Omarosa is an operator.
0: But he's wrong, though. He's wrong in this quote in at least one way, when he says uh, they see things that you couldn't see in a movie. And uh, I did see it in a movie. I saw it in American Sniper.
1: That's true. All the really exciting things that happened in American Sniper, I never saw in any of my deployments. I'm actually kind of pissed off about it. Like, I would love <laughs> to have, like, bullets flying and fucking yelling and... For some reason, calling my wife in the middle of a firefight. Oh my god, <laughs> that, <laughs> that was, was amazing. Part. That was yeah, that that's was great. Did you ever see? Did you ever see any CGI blood spurts? Because that seemed to be a big feature. No, but I did. I did in come. In Chris Kyle's experience. I did come home and uh, get my wife pregnant with a fake baby. So, <laughs> did you uh, after after you after you your wife gave
2: birth? uh did you were you so affected by the war that when they didn't let you go in the nursery to like pick up your baby and pick up the wrong baby like Chris Kyle would have done uh, you, you bang on the glass go let me see my daughter right now.
1: Uh, well the thing is is that the, that you know Chris <coughs> Kyle's baby um, if only he had, if only Chris Kyle was still around because I think I, be, I believe that I'm trying to raise my daughter, my hashtag daughter hashtag gender, uh, in a way that you know, would really make Chris Kyle proud. Like, you know, every day is a learning experience, especially when you're a military father. Um, when it's bath time, people might think that that's when I take her into the bathtub and I get her clean and everything. But really, that's when we start discussing the rise and fall of the bath party in Iraq and <laughs> what exactly led to the downfall of Saddam and why we had to go in and liberate Iraq. Uh, you know, things like that. Um, Chris Kyle was kind of living that as well. You know, when you bang on the glass at your infant baby, that really, you know, sends that that first jolt of uh, being able to sit up and and stand at attention right there. So it's you know that that's good that's good fatherly advice that's uh, that's going on in there.
0: Well, uh, you know, I I watched this movie for the first time last night, and, and this is something of a phenomenon. Like, it's not just a movie. Like, this was a hugely best-selling book. I mean. This book, uh, sold zillions of copies. It minted money for whoever published it, uh, so much so that... I'm assuming those were all audio copies, because I'm thinking most of the people who wanted to read that book are
3: actually illiterate.
2: That's (laughs) actually um, the book that I learned to read on,
1: so, (laughs) uh... Francis, you read the book. I did. You might as well be illiterate trying to read that book. Um, here's the thing. Chris Kyle is, um, he's a sniper. He's not a writer, um... And trying to, you know, make it out to him. Like I wouldn't expect Felix to be able to go out in, you know, 10-mile-an-hour winds coming from north-northwest and be able to put a 50 caliber sniper rifle on a target at 100 meters or at 1,000 meters. I don't expect that because he's a writer. I expect him to write reviews about the Bastard Executioner. Um, so... When Chris Kyle sits down And in the beginning of it he's like People wanted to write this book and I said no I'm going to write it Chris cannot write Um, I mean he can write He can put words together He understands basic sentence structure But I mean the entire book is basically a bunch of war stories And somehow he manages to make them Like the most boring collection Of war stories I've ever seen Like it's basically You could have named that book And then this one time because that's every, every <laughs> chapter is just... And then this one time in Iraq and then this one time in Iraq when I was you know shooting some dudes and then this one time when an RPG hit next to me. like That's the entirety of the book. And then occasionally... And then I went home and I was real sad about being home and my wife yelled at me a lot and then I got to go back to fucking war and my dick got hard again. My dick... His, Chris Kyle's dick doesn't work unless he is literally shooting somebody at that moment. Oh,
0: um, wait, oh, wait.
1: I, uh, I feel excited.
2: I have to disagree with what Francis said. There's an either-or choice, writer or sniper. Uh, you think that I couldn't snipe. Well, I am the proof against your lie, because I am both things. I am a sniper and a writer. I was never in the military, though I thought about it until I was 15 and started doing drugs. But I was a sniper in a little game called Battlefield 1942. Uh... I was incredibly successful even shooting a guy out of a Spitfire airplane in a land deathmatch. And you know why? I can do both disciplines because they're the same discipline.
0: No, you said it, that, uh, that uh, uh, Chris Kyle's dick doesn't work unless he's sniping. And one of the notes I made to myself watching the movie is that there's a scene where he's in a sniper school and really struggling to, to get those groups nice and tight. And then uh, he actually goes, uh, he fucks his uh, wife and girlfriend for the first time, and then comes back and like shoots a snake that nobody saw downrange. So I was like, "Hmm, you can't shoot right unless you get your nut right." So that's a lesson that I learned from this movie. Well,
1: as he also says, he he's better when uh, when it's got a pulse, which uh, yeah, which is really like, lay like I get it as a hunter, but like the Chris Kyle's entire like they. They toned it down in the movie a little bit, but uh, <laughs> the in, in the book he's just real. He's a real dick, um, which is kind of what I expected. Well, I mean that's one way to put it. Another way to
3: put it is he's a fucking murder addict. He
1: really is. And and here's here's the thing that really pissed me off about the movie. The first time I watched it was like right after it came out when uh, it was nominated for best picture, and I was trying to watch all the best pictures um, because I hate myself and I think that those are good movies. Um, the, I remember, I remember watching it and um, and thinking that they really could have done something with the PTSD uh, angle because every time he comes home, it's very obvious that he's got problems. He comes home. In the book he even mentions he's like one time he almost beat the shit out of his wife because she uh, she you know woke him up. like he's just so keyed up all the time that he almost punched his wife in the face. Uh, he, even in the movie, you see him like almost kill a dog because it's like playing with his kid or some shit. So there was very obviously, like, oh, man, you could really do something with, like, veterans and PTSD, but every time it's like, and then I had PTSD, but then he got the fuck over because he's not a little bitch, and he went back to war and killed some more people.
0: <laughs> well, Francis, I was thinking about this, and, like, the way the, the... As you described the book as being, like, a series of war stories that should be called and what and then this happened. Yeah. I You know, it seems like the movie was a pretty accurate uh, reflection of the book because it was basically pretty boring and it's been, it has this sort of structure where most of the movie is sort of like broken up by his tours he does four tours of duty in iraq and then there are like sort of broken up by him coming home and, and initially i thought like you know this is not even a movie like there's there's nothing here but I think they were taking the issue of PTSD seriously because every time he came home to America, I wanted to kill myself watching the movie. <laughs> so they were really driving home the reality of, uh, you know, how difficult making that transition is because in the movie, it did not work.
1: Well, and here's, here's the really fucked up thing, is that, like, reading the book made me feel slightly uh, less... slightly less, I guess, pity, I want to say, for Chris Kyle because... You know, in the in the book, he's nothing but himself. He's a Texas good old boy who's dumb and he's nationalistic and he's kind of racist, and that's all you ever expect out of him. But in the movie, they make him as like, and then he's an intelligence gatherer, and then he does this, and then he does that, and you know, the whole plot of the movie is I got to get this sniper, and once I get this sniper, I can go home and you know I can finally feel safe that I've protected my boys because the sniper is dead. In the book, they mention the sniper. They're like and on his first tour They're like Yeah we heard about This Iraqi sniper He used to be An a Olympic, uh, Olympic Competitor And he's now In Iraq operating I never ran into him And that's it That's the only Time he's mentioned In the book But they got it In the movie They make it as a whole Like I gotta I gotta go back I gotta kill this guy I gotta kill this guy And some dude That drills little boys In the heads With a power drill Like Completely made well, up Because to sense. me like
0: Yeah, to me, like, the only compelling part of the movie was this, like, years-long duel between these two master snipers. And the fact that that was completely contrived is a good indication that there's not that much there in this story to begin with. I mean, I I don't envy the screenwriter of this movie. I mean, he had a pretty difficult job because if you're going to base a movie around Chris Kyle, it's just like – it's just he's not a good character. He's just like there's not there's
3: – there, no there, there, there was a movie you could have made and it would have been amazing and it would have been sort of in the vein of – I don't know if any of you guys seen The Informant with Matt Damon, the Cedar so- Steven Soderbergh movie about this compulsive liar who became a corporate uh, like informant for the FBI because of this price-fixing case involving agricultural businesses – and it's the whole point of them is that the guy he presents, he has the narr- he's the narrator, he does a voiceover, and he's the point of view character. And then as the movie goes on, you realize that he's completely full of shit on everything. And there's all of this, like true, there's all this stuff that he presents that is originally taken by the audience at face value, and then you find out over time is made up. And by the end of it, you have no idea what he actually is because he's just this serial liar. And I think a movie about friskyle coming home and under the weight of you know wanting to be a badass hero or whatever, compulsively making up shit about shooting looters at Katrina and killing carjackers, and then they call a special number and the FBI shows up and covers it up. I mean, that would be an interesting movie. That was really the <laughs> way to talk about him in a way that would have been enlightening and, and interesting but yeah just like this fucking gomer going like i just want i just want to protect people by killing other people that's not interesting because that's the thing it's like they show that he has ptsd or whatever and that it the war is is wearing on him but they always contextualize it in the idea of well he just wants to save people's lives and when you took him away from the fight he was sad because he couldn't save them but then when he killed the sniper and then came home and started uh, treating other veterans by taking him to the gun range, then he was fine um, because he just well, wants to save people.
2: I can relate to that because uh, oftentimes uh, I have to go to court order therapy every few months. Uh, just, you know, it's like m- normal stuff that happens when you deal with family court. The judge, like, makes you go to a head shrinker sometimes because of an outburst. And they say to me, they go, "Do you ever like see anything online, like on the timeline, that may have affected you?" And I go, "No, I uh, I'm haunted by all the people I couldn't harass." <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I mean, just as a movie, though, I mean, like I said, I, I saw this for the first time last night, and I just sort of feel like it had the hallmark of all. Kind of late era Clint Eastwood movies in that it's just kind of a slog, you and know, he doesn't that he has give same, a shit. Yeah, he has. The, it all, they all have the kind of the same dimly lit, sort of like desaturated palette where there's like denuded of almost all color. And the thing with Eastwood is that like his movies all have this uh, kind of workmanlike efficiency and competence, which I guess gives him sort of a leg up out there. But it rarely makes for like thrilling cinema. And the other thing that you notice early on, or at least just for me personally, is that I don't buy Bradley Cooper at all as this like shit-kicking Texas guy. And it's just like it's just like it's not he's it's not a good performance. And like yeah,
1: I just but really, he, he
0: he really channeled the character by just looking like he had to take a shit at all
3: times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it seemed it seemed like his uh the the way that he prepped for this role is like all right, have a vaguely Southern Texas accent. And always have a dip in your mouth, and that's just pretty much. <laughs> and you know, honestly, that's not far off from most of the actual Texan soldiers I've ever met.
0: It's not far off from Felix, actually. This is another uh, another line of comparison to our yeah, own no, our I, own sniper and bad boy.
2: I have a lot of I, a lot of common in Chris Kyle. Uh, and I also, if I had PTSD, I would also do what Chris Kyle did, and I would fix my PTSD by shooting guns with a bunch of other guys with PTSD. I cannot believe that went wrong. <laughs> you know, in the b- <laughs> it's unbelievable. In the in the book, he actually
1: mentions um, after his last tour of duty, the uh, the Navy was doing well. Really, the DoD in general was uh, doing a lot of uh, experiments and just, you know just to try to figure out PTSD because uh, he got out in 2009, and 2009 we're still. I mean, that was post surge, uh, but we're still having a lot of problems because you know we spent we sent 150 thousand troops into Iraq. And let them all get shot at, and then they brought him home. And he said one of the one of the things that the scientists discovered with him is that you know sitting in a chair by himself doing nothing or reading a book or whatever, he had elevated blood pressure, elevated heart rate, and you know basically looked like his brain was screaming. And then as soon as they put him in a simulated combat situation, everything just flatlines for him. He's just like, okay, no, this is normal. Like Kyle's brain was fucking broken, and I understand. The problem the, the biggest problem the reason why I wanted this to be a PTSD thing is because I under, I identify with Chris Kyle in a couple of ways. I understand wanting to go back. I understand that war for a lot of people war is incredibly easy because you know what you, you're training your training does what you know your brain kicks in to do what the training tells you to do. You always have a job. You always have today I wake up I do this I do this. I'm I'm a creature of habit. I love having a schedule. So war was always one of those really simple and easy things for me and i remember coming home from afghanistan in 2004 my first trip to a grocery store i looked at like the wall of fucking peanut butter that they had like you go to a grocery store you don't you know you don't realize how much choice we have and in afghanistan like you would be lucky if there was a peanut butter packet in your mre maybe and I had to leave the store because it was too much. So I understand.
0: Francis, are you plagiarizing this this life moment from the film The Hurt
1: Locker? The, the Hurt Locker, his cereal aisle. That was one of the things that really stood. Out. That's the only the only saving grace of that entire shitstorm of a movie. And we can do another episode on that fucking terrible Captain Bigelow abortion there. <laughs> um, the, uh, the only thing The well, only saving grace for we... it was that cereal aisle Where I was like I identify with that Everything else in it though <laughs> was just like this is shit But I get Chris <laughs> Kyle Wanting to go back to war But unfortunately me I want to go back to war Because I understand that my head Is broken and that it's terrible He wants to go back to war because He cannot stand being home He can't stand being around his wife and children And he's only comfortable And happy when he's shooting somebody and that is the, well, there's the fucked brain right there. <laughs> there's a great line uh, near the very end of the
0: movie when he's, you know, uh, at the shooting range with uh, the wounded warriors or whatever, and he, he's helping them through, uh, you know, just letting them uh, fire off some shots downrange. And at one point, one of them says to him, uh, Chris, why do you spend so much time with us? Don't you have a family? And he just sort of laughs it off, but, like, the movie should have done more with that. Like you no, know, really. Why are you doing this all the time? You have a wife and two kids.
1: Yeah, he's really he's real uncomfortable when he's around anybody other than other soldiers or other military people. It seems. Uh,
0: well, that was the uh, <laughs> that was the the thing about uh, all the scenes that take place uh, stateside, right? Mm-hmm. That, that break up the the war action. Is it like when he comes home? Uh, you know, I hate to say it. I mean, it's an easy comparison because we've talked about it before. But he's almost like a more taciturn version of Adam Sandler's Reign Over Me character in that he resists steadfastly any attempt by any person to make reference to uh, the trauma that he's lived through or any of the atrocities he's seen or yes. take, taken part in. And in, actually, in my f- favorite scene in the movie, is when he's at uh, like Pet Boys or whatever, and that guy is like are you Captain Chris Kyle, sir? Like, you saved my life. And, like, does this whole spiel of, like, my family thanks you for your service. Like, you know, like, you saved my life, sir. And he salutes him and the Pep Boys. And, like, the whole time his jaw is just clenched so tight, being like, uh, thanks, gotta, you know, just go. And I expected him to have an Adam Sandler meltdown. But at the end of that scene, it doesn't even clarify whether Pep Boys gave him
1: a discount for being a a hero. (laughs) I, uh, that that scene could have been made a hundred times better if uh, if Chris Kyle had just turned to me and was just like, "I want to go shoot the
2: Hodges. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: what are you talking about?
0: I wasn't in fucking whack <laughs> I don't know what you're talking yeah, that would have about. Been
3: better for him, frankly, if instead of trying to help these guys PTSD by taking them to shooting ranges which you know what I know in hindsight looks bad but I'm going to say in like actual sight probably didn't seem like a terribly good idea to too many people uh, if he just gamed with them like Adam Sandler he might still be here yeah, lying I, about murdering people
1: I do have to I do have to give Chris Kyle a little bit of due in the book he's uh, he's pretty humble about um, uh, about working with other troops Like he's he's never just like Yeah fuck the Marines, fuck the Army The Navy SEALs are the best He's like no the, the Marines I was with they were great The Army dudes I was with they were great Though um, I have to say in that entire movie The guy I identified most with Was in that first scene When or I don't know if it was first uh, It was when he was doing Overwatch And then he's just like fuck this I'm gonna go kick doors Cause that's a thing that a fucking sniper should do And it's, it's exactly what he did in the in the book too but that one Marine is just like, fuck that. I'm not going down there kicking in doors. People get shot at down there. And he's like, well, <laughs> yeah. I hope I don't see you down there. I hope I don't see you ever again. It's like, no, that dude is fucking right. Fuck that nonsense.
0: Yeah, I totally identify with that guy, too. He was like, uh, no, I'm actually trying to uh, live through right. this. I want to go home at the end of all this shit.
1: Well, and, that's, but, and uh, that, that dude was actually doing his job where he should have been. Like, he was up there to, you know, provide overwatch for the sniper and he should have been like, no, you need to sit up here, and if you don't, I'm going to radio back that, uh, and tell people that their Overwatch is gone, and you're going to get into a shitload of trouble for that. So how about you sit the fuck down, shut the fuck up, and shoot people? Another thing there- that I would love to bring out is how there are no good Iraqis in the entire movie. Um, I don't know if you guys picked up <laughs> on that. Like uh even it was fairly subtle, in, you know. I think even the dude in even the, the w- one dude who was like, We're gonna kick in your door, we're gonna scare you and your wife, we're gonna set up an overwatch in here you're get, and he's just like come to dinner with look just sit down with dinner and he feeds them and then Chris Kyle's like let me let me just fucking search this dude's house for no reason whatsoever oh weapons cache oh and he's gonna, <laughs> yeah, he, I, he, I'm justified he, shooting him now because he picked up an AK-47 <laughs> and shot at me yeah we, no he, yeah, he yeah,
0: Chris, you, I, they find like a howitzer under right. his fucking couch that, or that, something
2: that, that's the best part about Chris Kyle is like it's implied that he can find the evil of any living thing. In addition to being able to hunt them, so like a snake or a deer, exactly like an Arab, and Chris Kyle can just sense when they're going to be a danger to a troop.
0: Oh man, okay. The in in, the, in in the sort of opening scene of the movie, um, he's on he's on a building in like you know some bombed out fucking hellscape of a city, you know he's got his like sniper's nest you know set up, and he's looking through the scope and he sees a guy on a cell phone and he's like they're like you got a green light if you think he's calling in an attack and then it's like a mother and her child like walk out of the alleyway and he's like oh this doesn't look too good Uh, wait she's handing the kid something she's handing the kid something and uh, she gives the kid like a mortar and he's like you know finger on the trigger and then the film cuts immediately to young Chris Kyle downing a stag for the first time and then when the movie catches up you know in time to that original moment you see that indeed he does uh Shoot the kid and his mom. So I like that that nice little juxtaposition of like you know shooting a, a kid and a woman is sort of a uh, compared to uh, sh- taking a taking a yearling or something like that. <laughs> and also they had it coming.
1: He <laughs> totally mom. did. She gave, they one, totally she gave him a did. thing.
3: It's her fault for giving him a grenade. You know, sometimes you got to go to another country and occupy it and then shoot
0: people who want to resist you. And you, you just have to do that. I want to talk about that scene because I remember it was the scene that was in the trailer for this movie when it came out and it was like you know this incredibly played up as this like high tension moment like holy shit like what am I going to do like this is this morally anguished moment of like do I have to pull the trigger on a a kid And and now in the movie this takes place during the battle of Fallujah which is like you know this, like I said, apocalyptic urban combat, just like everything is just a bombed out war zone like, you know, Stalingrad or Way City or something like that. And in it, like the, the Marine who's like his body man or spotter or whatever, the o- other Overwatch guy is like, if you get it wrong, man, they'll fry you. And I'm like, really? In this yeah. context, would they? Really? Like, is he, how, how, many, go- how, many, how many cars full of pregnant women got lit up
3: by, by checkpoints in the early days of Iraq with nobody... They destroyed the entire city of Fallujah. They peppered... They put... They they fucking uh, wiped it the fuck out and nobody got charged on that shit. I mean... Yeah, no,
2: I mean... That's the big thing about this genre of movie. It was the same thing in Soul Survivor when they, like, don't kill the old man and the kid. Like... And they pay for it later. Right, they pay for it later. Like, that people don't constantly end up, like, committing war crimes and nothing happens. Like, no, like no, we watch the fucking collateral murder video. How many of those incidents do you think happened and no one saw a consequence at all?
3: It probably yeah, but there's like some thousands. PC lib back at the base is going to be like, eh, that... That was a transgendered Iraqi. You can't kill them; they're protected. Yeah.
2: See, yeah, we have to protect troops from microaggressions.
3: Well,
1: in the, of
2: uh, libs telling them not to kill kids. In
1: the book, in the book, he does. There is a point in time where he does get investigated for one of his uh, one of his shots. Uh, he takes he takes somebody down, and uh, apparently, like the CID, which is Central Intelligence Division, uh, which is kind of like our uh, military internal or JAG or something like that. Um, whoever comes out and they're like mm, that may that may not have been a good kill and they put him on uh, hold status for a week while they uh, while they go through it. But that was the <clears throat> that kill was the one where you know his CO calls him in and his commander is just like you know you shot uh, you shot a guy who was you know the family says that he was holding a Quran and he's just like I wish I could shoot everybody holding a Quran but what I saw he was holding a pressed metal and shot 7.62 ammunition. And like that's that's his like real <laughs> Jesus. Like, one that's his, that's his real like super racist moment um, where, where not only is he saying I wish I could shoot everybody anybody who's holding a Quran but he also just you know he refers to everybody in Iraq as savages like he tries to make kind of a distinction of like well the savages are the ones who are against the centralized Iraqi government and they're the ones who are fighting against us but like it jumps from like. I mean, you saw this in the movie. He, you know, his girlfriend or wife, whatever she was at the time, calls him in and is just like, 9-11, oh my goodness. And they're like, 9-11, look what they did to us. All right, I'm going to Iraq. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck, man? There's, And then it just cuts directly to it. And
3: then
0: they're like, we're fighting Al-Qaeda in Iraq. And it's like, aha, they were there the whole time. <laughs> uh, well, Francis, actually, my, my favorite bit about that, uh, like the, the sort of 9-11 scene is I like that it establishes early in the movie that Chris Kyle was into Al Qaeda way before anyone else was. He was like, "I've been have been into Al Qaeda since the Cobar Towers bombing." Okay, I fucking I've been on them. You know, he was into it before it was cool. Yeah, but just you know, like back to, like the whole mentality of this of like of, of the movie and like especially that scene in Fallujah where he shoots the uh, the the mother and son and he's like, "I can't believe evil like that exists in the world." Which made me think of a scene early in the movie where his, his where he's a he's a kid and his father at the dinner table gives them like a very hard scrabble lesson about there's evil in the world and there's three types of people. There's the sheep, there's wolves and the sheepdogs. And like the sheep are just people who are, you know, innocent but like don't believe in evil and can't protect themselves from it. The wolves are like just the bullies and the evil people, but some men, some people can fight the wolves, and those are the sheepdogs, and that's what we're raising in this family. And I just sort of thought of that, like you know, the the, the sheepdog is the the person who's willing to to do evil to fight a greater evil, right? Who's, who's willing to use aggression and violence to to fight savagery. Well,
1: it would have been a perfect, and of course, it would have been a perfect analogy I, if he was going to fucking fight Nazis or something, like. But unfortunately, he. <laughs> You know he grows up and goes to Iraq, which is morally ambiguous from the get-go and continues well, to be morally I, I, ambiguous.
0: <laughs> I gotta say, I, I thought about the sheepdog line when I was thinking about that woman giving her son a mortar to throw at a convoy of troops, because it's sort of like, well, from their perspective, if you live in Fallujah and it's just been devastated, it's, it's a fucking war zone, Like, maybe you would do that. I don't know. Maybe that is the sheepdog equivalent if you're... if. You're in Fallujah and you view the United States As an invading army that's like you know Killing everything around you And
1: one of the things in the book that uh, really stood out to me too uh, It was just at, at the end of Some story where he talks about killing some Savages and he says uh, I hate what they did They've taken so much from me And all you could think is motherfucker you keep Showing up you keep you keep going to their doorstep. They like, would have been fine this, if you'd not ever come to their fucking country, asshole. Right? And he's saying this like after one of his friends got like shot, and you know his uh, he didn't die, but he uh, he was blinded by uh, by a sniper round. And he's just like, "We got to go. We got to get payback." Like you've literally already killed fifty people yourself. What fucking payback are you looking for? This is your eye for an eye here thing is a little off kilter, and he he just has this. Chris Kyle is one of those people that is that, like, first reactionary kind of person. Like, in the book, he says, I'm a black and white kind of person. I don't see a whole lot of gray, which is really the sign of somebody who's not very intelligent. Because, you know, you, you know at, at some point in time in my earlier days, uh, when I was young, I heard, oh, you know, Israel and Saudi Arabia, they're allies of America. And you would think, okay, that means they're friends and they're good. But if you take, like, ten minutes and do any kind of research into some of the shit that Israel is doing or that Saudi Arabia is doing, you'll find out that mm, it is very gray. And, in fact, maybe the black swing's a lot white, a lot whiter, or the white swing's a lot blacker, whichever way you want to look at it. But that's not Chris Kyle. He's just like, I showed up, they said they were bad guys, so I said, fuck it, and I killed a bunch of them. Fuck them. Well, you
0: mentioned the thing... (laughs) About, like, his, his need for kind of, uh, revenge. And, and, and at several points in the movie, especially during the climax of, of the movie, where he, uh puts a fucking bullet beautifully through the brain of uh, mustafa the syrian sniper his rival they made him syrian yards by the way out. notice that the little change they did Ooh. so that you know
3: the whole thing of why. wait a minute, there's a reason these iraqis are shooting at you it's like nah he's not from iraq he's just he's an outside agitator just like he is there's no they're basically the same
0: well, in that scene, they t- they basically, the other guys tell him not to do it because if he takes the shot, it's going to give away their position. And lo and behold, it does. And it's just this contrived action scene where they like, you know, uh, they hold off a larger force of jihadis and they blow them all away with really no negative consequences. I kept expecting someone to die. So it would make it a little bit more mortally anguished, like he traded the life of his rival for one of his troops but uh that didn't happen so it was like totally not morally ambiguous it was just like he did the right thing well, and and then like uh he gets another guy killed because he like makes the choice to like we got to go right back out and and get some after that guy was blinded or whatever
1: and and, the, and other- the movie i kept expecting
0: them to like have a turn with this to like sort of question it and it really never does it's just sort of just there i don't know
1: the, the other big problem I had, and I didn't notice it the first time I watched it, but the second time I watched it, when he takes that shot on uh, Mustafa, he is taking, like, there's no there's no PI, as we call it. There's no positive identification. He's just like, that little flapping thing over there, that's Mustafa. I'm going to shoot it now. Like, so not only is he being so fucking arrogant and shitheaded that he's going to give away their position, as he does, and nearly get everybody else killed gets himself shot i think uh but he's also shooting like that could be literally nothing but he's just no i got it in my gut let me tell you what doesn't fucking fly in iraq when when it comes to taking a long shot like that what what is in your gut does not fucking matter like that every part of that like that ending and you know that never happens in the book he does talk about he does take a 21 uh a uh, hundred yard sh- Yeah, 2100 yard shot at some point um, I can't remember he, But he did have good identification on it uh, But this one's like No, this is this is horrible This is goes against like literally Every part of our rules of engagement You cannot just shoot a flapping thing That you see in the distance Especially when you've got 50 other dudes With AK-47s around you So this is This, this is why I always hated the movie And at least the book kind of makes me feel a little bit better Because you know, in the movie, he's an asshole and he's a dipshit and he's stupid. But in the book, he's only just racist and kind of stupid.
0: <laughs> Seeing the movie, like in the the stuff that took place in Iraq, did you find it? Did you find it credible in terms of uh, just sort of the texture and detail of what uh, it looked like, or was there anything accurate about the movie's depiction of what? Uh, just sort of day-to-day life Or shit in Iraq was like Yeah,
1: uh, there's a lot of um, I mean, that, that is very much what uh, Iraqi streets kind of look like In some places um, Like any place, you know, you've got rich, rich places And poor places um, I never really want, I was in southern Iraq And uh, most of the areas That I, were, I was in were Kind of port towns um, I was in Basra, which if you look that up in the map That's way far down south Near, uh, near the gulf um, but yeah, it does really. It, it does have that feel. It does have that that chaotic feel as well. Um, the only the only problem with it, and now I was not in Fallujah, so I don't know. Uh, I was in Afghanistan when Fallujah was happening, um, so I don't know how things were, you know, during during that time. But um, the only thing that I really missed, uh, that I felt was missing, was uh, the streets were usually a shitload uh, more crowded than than what they were. Uh, but you know, you can explain that away as, like, well, there's a war going on. So, probably, people probably got out of there. But, um, yeah, I'm not a sniper. I'm public affairs. So, one way or another, I'm supposed to make it sound good anyways. So. Well, I mean,
2: I consider you, like, the best type of person. You are a PR guy and a troop. Literally the two best things anyone could be. PR guy, the best civilian profession. Troop, the overall best profession. You roll them into one. Well... Uh, you could fuck my wife.
1: You know, it's it, it's it's really great to like like my last last time I did any uh, public affairs training was uh, probably about two years ago, and uh, we had to do press conference stuff. And uh, we have a thing called command messages, in which no matter what happens, no matter what question uh, gets asked of you, you're supposed to put a positive spin on it. So when one of the people asks about the underage girl that was brought into the barracks and ever ends up overdosing on uh, meth and is found to have uh, been raped by at least four soldiers, you're supposed to put a positive spin on that. So what you do is you go up to there and you say, yes, this is a very tragic turn of events and where unfortunately these, uh, these things have happened. Um, We are taking further measures. We will be prosecuting those four soldiers to the fullest extent of the UCMJ, as well as uh, putting out some more uh, sexual violence and sexual trafficking and drug use training to all the troops to make sure that things like this never happen again. And currently everybody is on lockdown for the next, uh, next month to make sure that nobody gets out and gets meth or underage hookers ever again. See, that's what I do. I'm very good at it. Where was the positive spin there? Uh, that we're doing good things. That like, look, we're gonna oh, take okay, this. Right. This was bad, but hey, we're doing more training. We're gonna make sure that these things don't happen again in the future.
2: Okay, okay. Can I? Can we do some role play here? Sure. Uh, Public affairs, Sergeant Francis. Uh, I'm 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 Kevin Fuck with Huffington Post. Uh, <laughs> recently, American Sniper Chris Kyle got his brains blown out because he thought it would be a good idea to help fight PTSD by making guys who had PTSD shoot a bunch of guns. Uh, what's, what's going on here?
1: Well, the thing about that, Mr. Fuck, the reason why we have programs like this for PTSD and for uh, people who suffer from PTSD, specifically combat veterans, is because studies have found that actually putting people back into situations that are very similar to what they experienced, and what gave them PTSD, helps them out. It gives them a controlled spot to put it in. Uh, Rather than the chaotic nature of actual war, we can put them into a controlled area where they can kind of uh, work the outcome. And, you know, if they feel like they don't do it well, they can have a do-over. So things like this, going out and doing uh, sniper training, you know, after after getting injured, after getting wounded by anything uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan – that actually does have a positive spin. Now, unfortunately, things like this do happen, uh, and PTSD sufferers come in all shapes and sizes. And I have to say we are truly sorry for the loss of Chris Kyle, and we hope that he and his family are uh, doing well, and we'll make sure that they are taken care of. But. I don't think that uh, shuddering problems, shuddering these kinds of... Uh, uh, oh, public Affairs rusty. Officer
0: Francis, Public Affairs Officer Francis, uh, Kevin Hsu, Commentary Magazine, hot on the heels of Colin Kaepernick's uh, refusal to stand for our national anthem. Uh, New York Knicks Center, Joachim Noah, says that uh, he doesn't want to visit West Point and play basketball with the cadets. Um, how will this affect our war on ISIS? Uh,
1: actually, it's going to do well for our war on ISIS. Um... By having people not go to uh, West Point and play against cadets, that frees up that two-hour basketball game to make sure that those cadets can do even more training. So two hours more training with cadets is two hours more training than ISIS is getting because their basketball teams, guess what, they're still playing. When Al Qaeda comes to play ISIS, they all show up and they play, and they're losing out on training. They're not going through, they're not going over the monkey bars, they're not going underneath the uh, the tunnels, and they're certainly not jumping through any fiery hoops. Our cadets, however, Fiery hoops for that entire two hours.
0: Damn, you're good at your job. Oh wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> I just want to say uh, what, one other note I made of, of that final scene, where uh, where Chris Kyle uh, leaves his family to go help uh, the that, that ill-fated meeting with uh, him and the uh, the veteran who took his life. Uh, I love just you, you get a, you get a glimpse of that guy for like a couple seconds, and it's like so true to. Uh, Eastwood's Western roots because he's like the shadiest looking dude in the world. He's like Robert Ford, the coward, just right there. And you know, you know, you know this guy is off. He looks like fucking Casey Affleck in, in that movie. And
1: you know, and what I said about, um, you know, the soldiers going out and shooting, uh, doing shooting training stuff, that is all true. Um, I know that, you know, for, for you guys and for most civilians, uh, it, do, it sounds like the dumbest thing in the world. But honestly, when you're a combat troop, the the closest thing that you have to you is your rifle. So to have other vets to talk to, I mean, one, it's going out and just having other vets to talk to. And two, it's going out and uh, having that feeling of shooting, but in a controlled way. Of I can put rounds on through a piece of paper. Nobody's shooting back at me. I can relax. Um, it's It really is centering for a lot of people. Uh, I know I really love to go out and shoot, but also I was never, like, in massive firefights i just love to fuck my guns really that's i can't i can't say that's ptsd i just love to fuck guns i'm a missouri boy so that's that's just how it's gonna work but so i, I so yeah i do understand why it sounds dumb it's like hey these guys are fucked in the head let's take them out and, and let them shoot but it does help now so does ecstasy but we're not giving that to troops so i don't know i don't know, you really know where the imagine- government's going with that Imagine what a good book and movie it would be if it was
2: just about Chris Kyle doing ecstasy and having orgies with all the troops. American raver.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, one of the things that there is no short supply of are glow sticks overseas. We fucking love glow sticks. I feel
2: bad. I feel bad about all the showers I couldn't take with my friends.
0: (laughs) You know, we, we you mentioned uh, we mentioned the Hurt Locker uh, earlier, which is another movie that got a lot of acclaim that I think is very overrated. Um, and you know, I, I asked Adrian this when he was on the show, but why do you think it is, like why why haven't we had a single good War on Terror movie? Or is it just because all the movies that we think of that are great, like Vietnam movies, took place they, they they all happened quite after the war was over. Or is it just, is just not enough time passed or is it the fact that it's basically still going on and we haven't really like fully metabolized it as, as a culture or I mean, I
1: th- society? Honestly, I, I think that the national culture itself is just different. Like People think uh, – I, I always hear like you know the TCOTs and crazed republicans talk about liberal Hollywood but the uh, American sniper is like the first – movie about the war in Iraq that's actually gone on to get nominated for best picture like that's not liberal hollywood because this is not a movie that's like oh war is so terrible it is celebrating Chris Kyle and all the all the hajis that he has killed all the savages he managed to shoot so um but then you go back if you remember back in 2005 2006 there were movies uh, like stop loss and a couple of, I remember there's a terrible TV show called over there um and I think, well, one, those movies were just terrible. Uh, but also, I just don't think that the national consciousness, especially you know, with a war that is kind of still going on and still getting fought about, like, uh, it's, it's just not something that um, one way or the other anybody wants to, to talk about. Now, I know you said this isn't a good movie, but it did really good at the box office. Um, yeah, it was a huge yeah, hit. So, so honestly... And I, think,
0: wow. I think probably because it, it, it does, I think it was probably a hit, because it does present a morally uncomplicated view of the war through the eyes of a guy who's like, you know, a, he's like a simple, tough American archetype, basically, and... He's like Sergeant York, except Sergeant York was actually very morally conflicted about killing people, and that's why that's a good movie, <laughs> at least in my opinion, but um, and, you know, like it, there's and there's none of the the, the sort of politics or uh, I don't know broader context to the war in Iraq or war on terrorism is completely unaddressed by this movie, and it is just kind of his perspective you know, and, and through that we can kind of
1: I don't know. Uh, and, and there are... To, I don't know. like It's easier for are, people to come... As you I was gonna say, there are good movies. Um, if uh, you get a chance to watch Restrepo, and uh, I can't remember the, the name of the two movies that came after that, but... Uh, Restrepo is just like a documentary, though, Yes, right? um, but it is very a okay. very raw and very brutal documentary, um, and it really uh, talks to... You know, they talk to soldiers and, and that, that were in Restrepo, but if you want like a uh, fictional movie or fictional TV series, I'll give you my, I'll give you my uh, Army Strang's uh, military-approved list of movies. Um, and we'll go back. We'll start with uh, there is a short-lived TV show on Fox called Enlisted that is pretty fantastic when it comes to what it's like to be uh, the rear detachment while everybody else is off at war. Uh, it's a comedy uh, you will find it oh Keith if, David was in yeah, that Keith right yeah Keith David was the, the command sergeant major and I have run Excellent. into command sergeant majors that are just like Keith David like I, I honestly feel like Enlisted was really well done and uh, I think it had um, if, uh, if anybody is familiar with the web comic Terminal Lance uh, it's written by a Marine uh, well a former Marine uh, named Maximilian Uteriot. Uh he's got a he's got a weird Polish last name, but if you look up Terminal Lance, you'll find it. But he was one of the uh, uh, the advisors on that show, so it's and it's really good. And it really sucks that it only lasted for thirteen episodes. Um, then, if you want a good Iraq TV show or movie, get HBO Go and watch um, uh, Generation Kill, which is also a very oh, right. very good book. Uh, Generation Kill, I watch that at least once a year I go through the whole thing Because the, the movie the, Or the TV show is great That it is exactly what marines are like um, And some of the people in it are marines There's one guy, Fruity Rudy He was actually uh, first marine recon While going into Iraq But uh, that's a very good uh, that, that is. If you want to know What it's like What the chaos was like The first, the first couple of years Because I was in Afghanistan in 2004 it was still chaos then, too. That's a really good TV show. And at the end of it, you can kind of see the all the Marines just feel like, oh, wow, this is really... What we did was kind of not necessarily bad, but it was kind of fucked up, everything that we just went through. Um, well, actually, this, this takes me back to
0: uh, a moment in American Sniper that uh, was, like, I think the only kind of one of the only glimmers of like something that cut against the overall narrative of the movie but then it went nowhere is the scene I think in his like second or third tour of duty when he's back in country he runs into his brother as he's leaving like his brother was a marine Mm -hmm. and he was on the way out and he like pulls him out of line and is just like "Hey, hey bro good to see you or whatever and like it's clear his brother is like a ghost you know like he's just like gone and he just says as he's leaving fuck this place and Chris Kyle is just sort of like, what, huh? Why would it, wh- why? And it was just sort of like, you never find out what happened to his brother, or like what you know, or where he goes after that. It's just this sort of like throwaway moment. In, and that's the, the
3: kind of thing that the simpering lib dipshit reviewers who actually like jizzed all over this movie because they're such fucking punks and they want—they're just dying for any kind of ability to say that any work by like a great writer like that or a great filmmaker allegedly like Eastwood is is really good and they want to be validated by it so like well it's actually really a, a complicated story about about men who are traumatized without knowing it and they, they point to that scene but like what is the what is the gist of that scene the gist of that scene and the gist of any of the critiques of the Iraq war is that that country didn't deserve these fine soldiers sacrifice <laughs> Like that's what it boils down to. Like these, these, because yeah, as we pointed out, there are no good Iraqis. There are no normal people in this country. There are a bunch of savages killing each other, and it's like, why did we even get involved with these dirty fucking uh, sand monkeys? And that is not fucking anti-war. This like fetishizing, and that is getting back to the idea of why hasn't there been a good Iraq war movie? One of the reasons is, or a good war on terror movie is one of the reasons is, is because as we've discussed previously. Hollywood is filled with such simpering lib shitheads who are so self-conscious about appearing biased that the only way that they can deal with uh, a war is through the the prism of the troops suffering and what that ends up doing 9 times out of 10 is totally flattening the experience of the people who actually suffered the most in these invasions these the fucking people who lived in these countries that got destroyed and they become totally flat and meaningless and and that is the thing that lingers beyond any kind of you know limp dick attempt to maybe wonder well wait maybe it wasn't worth it maybe
0: these mud people didn't deserve our sacrifice. Now you remember when uh, a couple of years back when Clint Eastwood did the uh, the the twinned Iwo Jima movies? Uh, yes, which was Flags of Our Fathers and Letters from Iwo Jima, one from the American perspective, one from the Japanese perspective. Uh, Both were, again, just slogs, not worth seeing in my opinion. But fuck it, dude. He should have done that for this movie and done American Sniper and Syrian Sniper. Because I want a whole movie just about Mustafa. Yeah, but that's just 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 it. It's like give
3: it it the distance of, of time and we can maybe try to make that empathic leap. But you can't do that because who would he be killing in his movie? He'd be killing our precious <laughs> yeah, troops. Yeah, would be pretty fucked up. Well, it, it, it could have been great, though. Just like,
0: you know, ever since a young boy growing up in Damascus, Mustafa was a gifted pheasant hunter and that ability yeah, to the Olympics. But he dreamed of something bigger, killing the Kafir Musa- Crusaders and establishing a caliphate in Iraq.
1: I want to see. Fuck uh,
2: Mustafa. Fuck Mustafa. I want to see the Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi movie that we make in 200 years where it's like the John Wayne Conqueror movie and like whatever there are equivalent to John Wayne then is just like he's, he, I just wanted to also heroically, heroically getting a vision
3: from God and like meeting Jihadi John. I just wanted to also say that I do think the scene where the evil uh, Al Qaeda guy uses a power drill on that kid in the middle of this town square is pretty funny since the power drill was a favorite weapon of the Shia death squads that the U.S. set up in, after the invasion of Iraq. So that's a nice version yeah, inversion the, of the reality. Butcher
0: was, the butcher was supposed to be Zarqawi's like, number two guy, yeah. which was Al-Qaeda yeah. in Iraq, not yeah, the, right. the Shia death squads. No. no the, the, we gave them any, power anything, tools. We gave them drills. Yeah. We had them drill people. Yeah, the butcher was the one who was going to end up getting drilled, most likely.
3: Yes. Or his family. Or like somebody who maybe knew him. Like, that's who got drilled. That's who were systematically drilled in Iraq. We're our allies and the guys we've armed. But whatever. It's anti-war because one time he cried. Well, I mean, liberals want to be dominated by
2: all types of people. They want to be dominated by true conservatives, the types of which don't really exist. And they want to be dominated by Chris Kyle. Uh, but one good uh, Middle East movie, kind of a war on terror movie, left out Syriana, the best one. Awesome. Love Syria. Yeah, we talked
0: about that uh, last time with uh, with Adrian. Yeah, Syriana is the bomb It's can no. enough.
2: I, Fucking best
1: Middle East movie. Actually, I'll tell you. American I'll tell you a one. really good movie that uh, takes place uh, in a war in the Middle East is um, In the Army Now with Polly Shore. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, <okay. laughs> hell, yeah. Now, hell yeah. Now here's the thing. <laughs> On my my list of approved military movies, In the Army Now is in there because it is one of the more military accurate movies I've ever seen. Like when these guys they're doing they're doing PT in the morning like it's obvious they went to an actual basic training place and made them do morning physical training uh, in the goofy sweatpants and everything and doing the front back goes and then they go to Iraq and then they have to or was it did they go to Jordan I can't remember in that one but yeah they uh, I think they, they go to Iraq, Iraq, I think it was called something like <laughs> Micronesia but they get to they, they get to drive those awesome desert dune buggies though. And uh, also, uh, I would also say Three Kings, um, just because I, Kings, yeah, I like great. all of all the, uh, the cool scenes, like when the bullet goes in and, like, they created, like, a weird interior gut thing.
0: You could see the guy's lung, like, collapse. Uh, all right, well, uh, actually, before we, we wrap up our uh, discussion of American Sniper and uh, the Iraq War on film, I did wa- I, I do want to ask you, Francis, we, we opened up talking about uh, Donald Trump's um, inane comments about... Uh, PTSD and really American Sniper the movie is kind of about PTSD but like what you know like and and it's obviously it's an issue in our presidential campaign it doesn't seem like anyone's really doing anything about it but like do you have any vision yourself as what what like what a government or like or something that could be due to uh, address better than we are now uh, the needs of troops who are coming home from these wars we've been fighting
1: well there's a lot of really good things that are in place um one thing when i came back from iraq is a thing called yellow ribbon which is uh for the first three months at your home you have like a little retreat uh usually with your family or if you're married with your girlfriend you got a girlfriend um and it's just it's nice uh nice way to just like you know hang out with other veterans and you know kind of talk about your experiences and then you get the afternoon to yourselves and if you're there with your wife you can it's a time to reconnect with the family which is really nice i think i think that's the biggest that's the biggest thing that we can do for people coming home is giving them time to do reconnections um but honestly like it's it's bad uh it's still bad it's been bad since world war 1 it's been bad since i mean i can't remember what was the name of the uh uh, the po- after World War One, when all the veterans stormed Congress because they weren't getting bonus army. Yeah, oh, the, the bonus, the
0: bonus army. army.
1: Yeah, I mean we've been veterans have been fucked since since the day that we were nationalized. Like in during the Civil War, when it was state by state, you know, national guard militia. That was your military, the militia and the national guards. But once everything got nationalized, they really kind of started fucking the uh, the American troop, just because um, we're. It's easy to pat us on the back and say, I support you and thank you for your service, but it's harder to give anything beyond that. And nobody has to. Like, no politicians are ever held to any kind of standard when it comes to the military. They're just told, uh, oh, just look, thank you. I've got you up here on stage. I will shake your hand. I will give you a grip and grin photo, and then I will send you that photo, and then we're good, right? You're fine. And it's like, yeah, but my buddy just shot himself in the parking lot of the VA because he wasn't, uh, he, he wasn't allowed to be admitted because the VA is too full, and they had to turn him away. And this other guy lives underneath a bridge, and uh, he spent, you know, two tours in Vietnam. Um, you know, we're, when it comes to veterans, if we're not standing in front of a politician being put on a pedestal for votes, we're quietly put away in the back and forgotten about because we're not a big voting block we're not uh politically influential um a lot of veterans don't vote and the one many of the ones who do are vote republican who are probably worse than the democrats when it comes like, i mean both both suck ass when it comes to veterans but the republicans are slightly worse um and there's really... Just in terms of, what, like, cutting health care and... Cutting, and, I mean, cutting health care... Just, well, just not
0: spending money? Well,
1: I mean, recently we had, you know, uh, where we... Uh, my my last pay raise from the military was 1%. It was a 1% raise. Um, that is absolute shit, especially for the last 15 years of war. Like, I've been in the Army for 16 years. 15 of that I've been, you know, under the uh, the umbrella of getting deployed. Uh but, you know, they will cut, they'll cut our spending, they'll, for, for me. They'll make it so that I don't get paid more. But you've got the F-35 project, which, you know, everybody knows is just an absolute shit heap. Um, my, la- my last commander, uh, he left Iraq in 2010. He was one of the last people, one of the last troops uh, out of Iraq, um, you know, other than our slow mission creep currently. And he told me, he's like, you know, we had a lot of, you know, big screen TVs and a lot of equipment that they didn't take home. They just would put it, they're like, what do you got? You got some TVs, never taken out of the box, 55-inch plasma TVs? Put them in that pile over there. Pull any batteries, if you got anything that's got batteries, cameras and stuff, put it in that pile. We're going to dump JPA jet fuel over it, and we're going to light it all on fire.
0: Oh, good. Wait. Oh, thank God. For a second there, I was worried that ISIS were watching our flat screen TVs. Oh, yeah. No, no. no, ISIS is just driving our Humvees.
1: Okay,
2: good, good, good.
0: (laughs) Good. The TVs, no, no. Yeah,
2: I mean, we. I'm not. Yeah, we have not going to let them watch American Sniper. Yeah,
1: we have incredible, and this is this is one of the things that sticks in my craw whenever somebody talks about welfare queens. Is that you know the military is the biggest fucking welfare queen ever. I mean, we're the closest to socialism that you will ever find in uh, in America at this point because everybody uh, has a job and we all do our jobs and you know you can you're, you're taken care of. You get a basic income uh if you can't afford to live off post we have housing on post for you if you can't afford to go out to eat we have food here for you like we are welfare queens we are socialism uh 100% and of course you talk to a lot of soldiers and they're just like fucking communist I'll never be a communist like dude you fucking live that and it's great being a soldier is easy as shit you heard it here first folks what we've always
0: said easiest job in America uh, troops 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 Troops, special education teachers
3: teachers.
1: nursing single mom single mothers mothers, nurses yeah Uh, it's You know, I mean, once you get through, like, what? Basic training is somebody yells at you, which, I mean, if you're in the Army, you probably come from a broken home, so you're used to being yelled at by, <laughs> by a, by a drunk, uh, father figure. <laughs> then you do some exercises for nine weeks, and then you go and you learn a skill. I mean, even if, like, I learned public affairs. I know all kinds of stuff about public relations. Some people go off and they become computer scientists and they or they become MPs and they become cops cuz god knows, you know, you got to get that military training in bef- before you can go, you know, cross skulls on the streets of America.
0: Well, and and the good part about that is the rules of engagement are much looser on uh, let's you know, in America. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and also the the great thing is uh, I know a couple of corrections officers and I know what they get paid. It's like, oh, so you're used to getting paid absolutely nothing for a really shitty job. So the military has really trained you well. Francis,
0: thanks so much for coming on the show. And most importantly... Thank you for your service yeah, thank to you, our yeah. show.
1: And thank you for your tax dollars. Yeah, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> Chris is, Kyle, is that what you Chris said? Kyle,
3: <laughs> Yo, Chris Kyle. I'm letting you finish, but Seymour Ohio was the greatest sniper of all
0: time. <laughs> White death represent. <laughs> By the way, uh, Francis, is that your uh, snappy answers to stupid questions when people uh, s- sincerely thank you for your service? You say thank you for your tax dollars?
1: Uh, that, that is literally what I always say, and that's just because I am un- severely uncomfortable when people thank me for my service. Uh, so they say they well, say thank you for your service, and I'm like, oh, thank you for your tax dollars. Uh, just I'm going to use humor to mask the fact that this makes me uncomfortable. You be like, ask them for their wife's email right. next time. See how they
0: say. <laughs> All right, guys. Until uh, next time.
1: Take care, guys. Bye.
3: You miss and didn't hit the lynch mob either. Gorilla's in a mess without jungle fever. But I got the fever for the flavor of a out not a bigger but the single hit my new changle. The a black the KKK has got three pieces. Use a niggas like cracking shoots. My motto is
1: I'm like a prostitute. Now if I say no violence, devil You run not respect mine Fuck your dumb shit And get my tech nine And if they approach us I, I, I bury those
3: cockroaches. And if you can't deal with my killing will Here's a new gift again Try my death certificate America most, America birthless like toast Like joy I'm
1: going coast to coast Dribbling the book it comes a nigga with the motherfucking monster Duck, get off me, punk John. 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 Yeah. you better eat your Wheaties.